importance of following Jesus and, the, and, and what it means to follow Jesus. It's not fun and outings and parties. and Yeah, it's awesome. We see parties, obviously, disciples with Jesus, lots of parties. But it's a lot of cause. There's a cost on following Jesus. And it is. It is a cost. But, but what he offers is far greater than what, we will, what it will cost us to follow him. And that's what I want to focus. What he offers is far greater than what we could ever sacrifice. But it is a cost because the world tells you that you shouldn't give that up. The city that tells you that you shouldn't give that up. So it's hard. And, 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 and today I, wanna, I want us to, um, to focus on, on, on that cost and, and what Jesus uh, went through in, through his death on the cross. And how he invites us, actually, to go with him, to pick up our cross, just like him, die to ourselves, and follow him towards Easter. Right? So what is cost? Looked it up on Google. It says, an amount that has to be paid or spent to buy or obtain something. Very simple. An amount, that's a noun, an amount that has to be paid or spent to buy or, or obtain something. So you're, there is something that is being paid, something that costs you. And usually what it costs when you, how do you get money? You usually work, you spend time, you spend your energy, your skill set so that you can obtain the money. So you can pay something and obtain something else in exchange. That's what cost is. Right. And, and so so what is the cost of following Jesus? What is that that you have to give up or spent? Right. Like the 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 meaning here uh, tells us. So um, if we go to the context right before the passage that we read, we find Verses 15 through 25. So that's, that's right before of, of what Andrea read about, have you counted the cost? And then he gives two examples and he's like, okay, yeah. Count the cost of what it means to follow. But right before this, we see this. It says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, he said. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the cripple and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, why you command? There has been already done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hatches and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled, for I tell you, None of those women and men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So, one of the things that we see within the context of this passage 
is that Jesus is asking for availability. The cost of following him is availability. It's not just a prayer that one time you just say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, and then I'm saved, and then I go out in my life. There has to be fruit out of that. And and are you making, are you are available when the master invites you to join him to the banquet? Now, what the master is offering is a banquet. But people made excuses. Oh, you know what? I'm busy with life right now. And and I'm just, just got to work, you know. And and literally these people, if you see here, um, it it literally says that, they all like begin to make excuses. At first, they say, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. It's all about business. I got this field. Let me go out and see it. I mean, that's like that. It contextualizes it to our time because that businessman from that that time. They, this this is a business person right here, compared to a city person. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go and you know I gotta go to work and and and, and do these calls and make these excels and right. And then the the second one says. Um, I bought five yoke of oxen, another person, business, another kind of business, right, with animals. And then the other one was family. We're good stuff. My wife, I'm married. You know, I got to take care of my wife, right? So, so all of these things, um, God is like, uh, these people are excusing themselves, right? So what's interesting is, the people that are in need of God are the ones that are available to come to God. People that are in need of God. Think about Jesus when he, in the Sermon of the Mount, he says, right? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the earth. Poor in spirit, meaning those that are in need, poor, in need of God, the spirit, in spirit. So these people that are the blame, the blind, these people are in need. They're just naturally in need. Now, the Pharisees that are here, why is he saying these things to the Pharisees? Because he knows like they don't understand their need. It's not that they don't have a need. It's just that they are blind and they cannot see. Many times the Pharisees are called like, you're blind. You don't know your need. You're blinded to your own need of your soul. A lot of us are blinded. To our own need of God. To our own need of a savior, of a healer. Of someone that makes us whole. Right? So availability. Are you available to Jesus? Are you going to say yes to that invitation to the banquet? Right? Or are we distracted as the guests of the banquet were giving excuses not to be there? So what, what are the excuses on our everyday busy lives? There's no busier place like New York City in the world. It's just a reality. As far as I know, probably the busiest of all. What are the excuses on our everyday busy lives we come up with as to not to go to the banquet with Jesus? Cause of discipleship is availability. Availability to Jesus. Now, a second thing that I saw in verse 26 and verse 33 is an absolute surrender. On verse 26, it says, um, 
It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Now, this comes after what we just read, right? So he's now bringing it home even, right? Does not do, hate this. You know, we saw in the, in the previous passage that what was the excuse of one of the persons? Oh, I got to attend my wife. And then Jesus saying, unless you hate your wife. Now, obviously, he's not saying, like, hate, like, what he means, and how do, you, how, Pierre, how do you know that he's not saying to hate? If you go to verse 33, he brings it home, and he says, So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that, renounce, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anyone that hates these people, but it says renounce, meaning like they are less sir than God. Jesus is first. And then all of the, all of the above, all of the others, our Jesus is involved in that as a whole. And, but they don't have the, 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 prior, the, the premise or uh, the, the prime of Jesus, right? So, so anyways, um, so here um, we have uh, on verse 33, as I said, renounce all of these things. And on verse 26, he's saying like about like hating and all that stuff. So, so as I said, is 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 ascribing Jesus more important than even self or the most precious possessions we might have on earth? It can be a relationship. It can be a hope, a dream. It can be a job. Um, right. So, now, I I want to bring this uh, a little deeper. And what I mean by absolute surrender, it, it's not a compartmentalized surrender, but rather a holistic surrender, an absolute surrender, right? So it has been said in church culture that God is first, family second, and church is third. But that is, I believe, a Western understanding of the order. You know, I, I've even heard it when I was in Barcelona, yeah. Church, uh, God first, second family, church third. You know, that sort of priority. And that, that's nice and it's good. But the problem with that is that the people on scripture did not, did not follow that premise. Because it's, it's a compartmentalized, systematized way of thinking in a very Western way. But as we know, Jewish are not Western individuals. They're not Greek. They're Hebrews. They have more of a holistic understanding of things. And they don't compartmentalize things, but rather everything in their life has to do with everything. So they understand that if something happens to them physically in that time, that means that that person might have seen or that other person in their family might have seen. That's why they're sick. So they're relating the spiritual with the bodily, with the mental, with the emotional. Right. And it is the same. It is not compartmentalized. I have God here. Then I got family and church. Right. So, so I think what God is trying to say, and, and even this passage goes against that because Jesus is saying like, no, no family, no brother, no sister, no, none of that. Me, Jesus, that's it, God. He's not, he doesn't even have a space for that. And what he means is like, yes, family, but you got to pass through Jesus's, you know, filter. Yes, church, pass through Jesus' filter. Like, Jesus is involved in every area of your lives. 
which means that he's Lord over all. Lord, yeah, first God, okay, I'm going to build my devotion. I go, I go and do my business, but then you're not aware of his presence as you go on in your life. You're not aware of God's voice in your life as you go on to work or study, right? So that's an absolute surrender. And I think C.S. Lewis phrased it well here. He says, the terrible thing, the almost impossible. Have you ever, have you ever seen the, the Chronicles of Narnia, anyone? Or heard about the Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, this is the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. So the terrible thing, the almost impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and precautions to Christ. The terrible, the almost impossible thing is to hand the whole self, all the good stuff, but all the bad stuff too, to Christ. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. That's even more than just torment, just kill it. No half measures are any good. No half measures. You're either in or you're out. There's no lukewarm here. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, evil, the whole outfit, I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. He gave us himself through the cross so that we might have life. That's all we need. It's Jesus. That's it. We don't need nothing else but God. The cross is all we need. Are we going to hand ourselves to him? Or are we going to play this game? Yeah, I like to come here. I like to go there. But no, 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 no. Jesus is not interested in that. For him in his mind, you're out. You're not in the cost of following Jesus' business. So, what are we reflecting today? Have we counted the cost? Now, I want you to understand that Jesus is not asking of us anything that he has not gone through himself. He's not going to ask you something that he has not gone through himself. God, he's also not asking to give up something that is more worthy than what he has to offer. Just remember that. Jesus tells us that true freedom and fulfillment comes through him. So the cost of that, right, the cost of Jesus, of, of following him, what you are going to get as a reward is far greater than what you're going to give up. But you got to take the step of giving it up. Following him does not come without a cost, though. That's a big but. He tells us to follow him in sharing on his sufferings. Just as the world hated him, so we will be hated, he said. Jesus said on the scriptures. So are we willing to follow him this Lent season? Renounce everything and willingly walking where he walked.
carrying the cross that he bore, dying to self, and sin through him. To come alive through him in his resurrection this Easter. So the questions, then again. Oh, I want to mention this story, though, before I go to the questions. So there was a, a brilliant ethicist. Are you familiar with um, um, uh, Mother Teresa? Famous Mother Teresa, Catholic. Uh, great woman of God. Gave everything. Went to the margins in Calcutta in India. And, and there was an, an, a brilliant ethicist, you know, like brilliant. His name was John Cavano. Went to work for three months at the house of the dying in Calcutta. So he went for three months, worked there, and he was seeking a clear answer as to how best to spend the rest of his life. On the first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. She, she asked, what can I do for you? Cavano asked her to pray for him. And, and, and she asked, what do you want me to pray for? He voiced a request that he had borne for thousands of miles from the United States. Pray that I have clarity. She said firmly to that question, no, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you're clinging to and must let go of. You must let go of. When Cavano commented that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, because Cavano was like, oh, yeah, you, you have clarity all the time. Like, come on, Mother Teresa, right? She said, she laughed. She actually laughed and, and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. To surrender is to trust. Absolute surrender means to trust him. So with that being said, let's reflect on these questions. What are some excuses I have used like the guest of the banquet in order to refuse Christ's invitation to fully surrender? Think about those things. In what ways have I compartmentalized my surrender? What areas of my life have I not given God and given control to him. So compartmentalize. We're like, okay, I'll, I'll give this up, but I won't give that up. What are those areas? We all have them. And finally, what is God calling me to renounce and trust him in that surrender? How is God calling me to do such thing? And now I just want us to pray and to just Close our eyes. Just think about these things. And ask God, Holy Spirit, I, I pray, what are those excuses that I have used? What are they? Is it school and job? And not that there is nothing wrong. Yes, you're calling me to that. But, but what are they that, that I'm not fully giving myself to you and receiving that invitation? Or perhaps... What are those things that I have compartmentalized, that, that I'm not surrendering my, my love life or perhaps my future? And, and maybe I'm clinging towards more of a, of a yeah, I'm going to do this because I earn more money or I'm going to do that or whatever, God. What is it that I'm not giving up? 
I'm giving full control in your life, your family, your future. Oh, oh, what is it then that he's calling me to, to renounce? Maybe it's a relationship. Not that you're going to end that relationship, but handing it to the Lord, to the whatever he wants, or, or that financial situation, or, 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 that, or next year that you need to do something. I don't know. Or, or your family, or that endeavor. What is it that you need to renounce and trust him in that surrender? And now, how is God calling you to do that? So God, I just pray, God, that you will reveal those things to us tonight, today. That we will know how to go about these things, God. That you have revealed what are those things, Jesus. That you will reveal these things to us. And, and, and how to go about it? How do I actually give it up? Do I need to have a conversation with that person? Do I need to give that which I have been hoarding because I'm so worried about finances? How do I go about it? Do I need to maybe pray about maybe vocation or maybe how to use that vocation for your glory and honor? Do I need to seek counsel for that and prayer? How am I going to go about those things? God, Holy Spirit, Bring that revelation to us.